Welcome to The Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning in today, this Labor Day edition of The Nun Report. Hope a lot of you have good plans today. Barbecue with family is always a good option. That's what I'm going to do. In fact, as soon as I'm done recording and get everything distributed, I'm probably going to uh, throw some burgers on the grill myself and and just have a nice afternoon at home with the with the wife and the dogs. The rest of my family is out of town, but uh, that's always a good option. Uh, I'd also like to just extend my uh, gratitude and thanks to all workers, not just the little 10% that are union laborers, not the union jobs don't matter. All jobs matter. Okay. And so I just want to, uh, want to thank everybody, including the the little 10% of you union workers and the 90% of everybody else that also works just as hard and just as smart and just as long and just as good and provides just as much, if not more to this country. Okay. So having said that, (laughs) I might, I might be getting some nasty grams after that one, but uh, no, I got friends in unions, man. There's, there's okay. I just think unions are dinosaurs. I think they've outlived their day. They had a purpose at one time, but now we have federal laws and state laws and regulations in place that basically take care of the worker the same way unions originally did before all those laws and regulations existed on the federal, state, and local levels. Uh, unions really serve no purpose now other than to make their organizations super wealthy, to buy offshore islands and yachts and things like that so they can still call themselves nonprofit while living like mega billionaires. Anyway, that's uh, that's another topic altogether. I should do a show just on that today. We're going to talk a lot of things. I'm going to get I'm going to get back on the censorship thing again because uh, I, I talked about that on Friday. I'm going to talk about it some more today. I think it's important and it's something that's going to become more and more prevalent the closer we get to the 2024 election. You think things were bad in 2020 when Donald Trump wins the nomination for the Republican party, it's going to get worse, including on Twitter and Facebook where most people communicate. I mean, let's face it. Those are the platforms where people are at and Instagram to some extent, but that's not really a communication platform. That's more of a, a meme and photo platform. So there's a place for that for sure. But Twitter and Facebook are the two social media mediums that people communicate on, that people express their viewpoints and ideas on. You know what? Having an opinion is an okay thing. It's not a bad thing, but they will demonize you and ev- make you seem like a bad person for having an opinion that they happen to don't agree with. They call it misinformation. I tell you what, stating a, an opinion or an opinion in general is not misinformation. It's an opinion. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. The uh, There's a new law, uh, curfew law or regulation that went into effect in Washington, D.C. I want to talk about that. In fact, we're probably going to kick off the show on that. And mostly, though, what I want to communicate to you is, and I've said it before, and I'm going to keep on this. I am going to keep on this. It is vital, vital that you understand, that you that you open up your mind from being closed to people other than Donald Trump. Not because you want to vote for them for president. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Not because you think they're better, but because the America First movement is a movement. The America First movement is not about Donald Trump. It's bigger. It's about all of us. Trump is the figurehead. He ignited it, and he is the figurehead for it. But he is not the movement. 
We are. And the sooner you understand that, and the sooner you look forward past Donald Trump, post-Trump, so to speak, we could call it PT, post-Trump, I like that, then the better off and the stronger we're going to be. We have got to unify on that front, on the America first front, first and foremost, not the only Trump train or not the never Trump train or the only DeSantis train or the only Vivek train. Right now, yes, it's a primary. Vote your conscience. Once that nominee is selected, every single patriot needs to get behind that candidate 110%. I know there's no such thing, but you know, sounds good. You got to get behind the candidate that becomes a nominee. I'm going to, regardless of who it is. God forbid something happens to Trump after he becomes the nominee. And for whatever reason, he's not able to, to be in the general election. Then you better have some other ideas in mind. And the person that steps forward that the Republican Party puts forward, we need to get behind them, regardless of who it is. I would plug my nose and pull the lever for DeSanctus if that was the option on the ballot for the Republican Party. I don't think it would be. I think that the next up is, uh, is Vivek. And we're going to talk about him a little bit today, too, and give you my little Vivek take. My take on Vivek, once again, he's out there saying intelligent things, speaking them, articulating them in a way that you can understand them. He's using the talents that he's been given and that he's been honed throughout his life, speaking is one of them, communicating is another, leading, obviously, as successful he's been in business, is we need a businessman. And while Vivek may not be the 2024 guy, he is the future of the America First movement. We don't want another politician. We saw, we know already what happens with a politician. We know what's going to happen with DeSantis. We know what Pence brings. We know what Nikki Haley brings. They bring more of the same bullshit. So let's get past that. And again, remember that the America First movement is not about Donald J. Trump. It's bigger. It's about you. It's about me. It's about freedom. It's about the Constitution. And whoever can go in front of us and take those ideas nationally and lead the country with those principles, the constitutional absolutes, the America first policies, got to get behind them. Got to get behind them. And I would much rather have a businessman who's been successful in business, regardless of his age, regardless of his foreign policy experience. We don't need another GOP insider. We don't need another Republican party hack. We don't need another uniparty person, another neocon, another someone. All these, they're the same to a large extent. Anyway, so we're going to talk about that. But first, let's jump into what I think is one of the worst policy decisions I've seen in a long time. DC begins enforcing curfew to deter youth crime after teens fatal stabbing over McDonald's sauce packet. Washington, D.C. begins juvenile curfew enforcement pilot week after 16-year-old uh, Naomi Liggins, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, deadly stabbing at 
local McDonald's, the curfew prohibits minors under 17 from being in any public place or on the premise of any establishment Sunday through Thursday, 11 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday and Sunday from 12.01 a.m. to 6 a.m. Enforcement, which begins Friday, September 1, so it started this weekend, involves officers bringing minors found violating the curfew to Department of Youth Rehabilitation Services Achievement Centers until they could be reconnected in the morning with a parent or a guardian. This is one of the most, you understand what they've done here. This is insane. Rather than addressing, now it's not, it's not district wide, but it's in a lot of areas of DC. You're punishing. This is, this is the, this is the socialist Marxist communist bullshit. This is the totalitarian controlling bullshit of people who have no answers. You know, instead of, Instead of funding the police and building up the police force, instead of arresting people and giving them stiff sentences to, de- to deter crime, they're going to punish everybody, including those teenagers that are completely innocent. A responsible 17-year-old kid who probably has a job, maybe he's getting straight A's, could be on the honor roll. He can't be out past 11 o'clock at night because D.C. has decided the easiest way to do it is just put a curfew out for all kids, after all teenagers, after 11 p.m. And screw the innocent ones. That makes about that's like that's like having a gun the gun control argument. We're gonna ban guns or the assault rifle and punish the law abiding responsible gun owners instead of the criminal. And this does nothing to solve the root of the problem. Nothing to solve the root of the problem. In fact, it encourages it because now everybody's being treated equally, whether they did anything wrong or not. Socialism, communism, by the way. And the criminals, you think they're going to obey these? I mean, God, you know, we used to play a game when I was a kid, headlight ditch. We'd go around at night as teenagers, and anytime we saw headlights, we'd go diving into bushes or running into yards, jumping over fences. You know, the idea was to avoid the headlights. If you got hit by the headlight, you were, you were uh, out of the game, right? And so if a car came around a corner, man, you had to act fast. You had to dive on the ground. You had to jump in a bush or something like that. This just brings that, that, brings that game up to a much more higher level, don't you think? <laughs> now you got gangs of kids running around at night, that where there's a curfew, there's only so many cops. And so this just amplifies that game. They're going to have fun with it. You think the criminals are going to obey this? And you know what else is going to happen? You're going to have narcs. You're going to have informants calling the police department, flooding their lines. Hey, I just saw what looked like a couple of kids that are under 17 years old walking around at 1130 at night. Ridiculous. But that's what's going to happen. And, 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 and it's not going to change anything. But so, so if, I guess the moral of the story is if you're in a gang or if you want to be violent, you're going to go out and commit assault or murder or something like that. If you want to stab or shoot somebody, do it before 11 p.m. because then you got to be home. See, that would never happen. Because everybody knows that those things always happen after 11 p.m. Just like everybody knows that COVID is only going to affect you when you're standing up in a restaurant but once you sit down you don't need the mask anymore these people are insane they're, they're complete lunatics but this is how they're addressing the problem in washington dc instead of looking at the root cause instead of holding criminals accountable they're going to punish those that are that are innocent moving along here uh to censorship man elon musk hired linda y- 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 yacarino 
And she has ties to the World Economic Forum. This was, he's basically, it seems like he had his new toy, Twitter. He jumped in there and we're going to make it a free speech platform. Sounded all great. He put in, now, now you basically have to pay to do anything on there. If you want your post to be shown, which it still doesn't work, by the way, even if you pay, you still don't get a lot of exposure. You still get shadow banned. You still get throttled. Okay. If you want to send messages to certain people, you have to subscribe. If you want to have a poll on there, you have to subscribe. They've made it so basically, if you want to do anything, you have to pay him. So he got that set up. He got his advertisers on board with all that. He motivated the large platforms to put out clickbait so that more advertisers would come onto the site. And many of them are. Anomaly is one of the biggest perpetrators of that. He always has been though, I guess. So that's nothing new. But uh, the censorship is coming, people. And it's already starting to happen. You see, they JFK Jr. put out a video and it disappeared. It was banned for, for a while. It's back on now. But it was put up on Twitter. It's about the vaccine and the efficacy and, and things that he has learned. He's a smart man. And he is super, super well read on vaccinations in general and specifically the COVID-19 vaccines. I would listen to him. And I don't normally listen to Democrats, but I would listen to him on that topic. And uh, so the video went away. It was, it was shut down. It eventually came back after enough of an outcry from larger platforms. But at first they were silencing him. You know, the video was deleted. People lost a lot of views. They lost a lot of ad revenue because Twitter took it down. But this was just, it's going to slowly, now that, now that, Elon Musk is done. He, he bought his brand new shiny toy. Seems like he's kind of bored with it. He's washed his hands with it and walked away. And he's hired this, this CEO to come in and run it, who's a, who's a World Economic Forum socialist, hardcore. What kind of policy do you suppose she's going to put in place? People, Twitter hasn't changed at all. Other than the fact that some large platforms are now getting some ad share revenue. But that can always be taken away too. You see, because none of it is, none of it is really in writing. You don't you don't get a thing that says you know for this X amount you're going to make this much or this X amount you're going to make that much, and you have no way of auditing them. You have no idea. They could be completely. They could just be throwing pennies at you or hundreds or thousands, and there's no accountability. There's and if you uh, call them out on it, they would probably shut you down. Oh, you don't like our ad ad revenue sharing? Fine. Facebook does the same thing. You have no idea how this revenue is coming in. And they shut you down. If you have a platform on and Facebook, people, trust me, you thought 2020 was bad. Wait until you see what happens over the next year or so. It's going to get ugly. They were they were banning people and and closing down accounts, giving putting them in 30, 60, 90, 6 month periods where they couldn't use their accounts, all kinds of other options for posting a meme or for sharing information that they found on Facebook or, you know, being satirical about something heaven forbid you try to say something satirical and they say well that's not really true that's not that never happened bam turn the knob down and those that don't get suspended they just turn the knob down you're not going to get any distribution and it's worse i wouldn't say it's worse but it's different it's bad when it happens to you personally i've had a lot of personal bands on my personal page on facebook and but when it happens to you as a platform that you are doing for full time. Now, I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing it for passion. If money happens, that's icing. I do it for 
for sharing, for experience, for communication, for networking, for supporting the candidates and the causes that I believe strongly in. And yes, I'd like to build this platform big enough so that I had more influence into those things and more, yeah, I guess more influence in general. But that's not my point. I'm just taking it one day at a time and having fun with it. I do have fun doing this or else I wouldn't do it. Now, I understand that, that these platforms are, are private businesses and they can do what they want. That doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it right. Everything that they do is subjective. They have, they have community standards that are so broad and so subjective. They never tell you what rule it was you broke. They could just say, well, you, you spread misinformation as an example. Okay, what it, misinformation, I'll try not to do it again. It's not like I go, it's not like I set out to, to break their policies. I don't, in fact, I try to do everything I can so that I don't break their policies. I don't want to get, I don't want my platform to go away. I don't want to get restricted. But, but for a platform, you know, uh, 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 a, a person, you know, a, 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 or an influencer or a podcaster or whatever, a public, a public, public person, I mean, they can, they can completely demonetize you. They can, they can put, put, make it so that nobody ever sees any of your posts. I have almost 30,000 followers on Facebook and I would be surprised if 300 people saw the content that I put out. It would be surprising to me. And, um, and in fact, I can look at the metrics that, uh, that you get on platforms like that, that you don't see in personal accounts, but on the, on the public platforms or the business platforms you do. And I can see when they're throttling me, I can see when they're lowering distribution because I can look at the numbers and they do that if they don't like what you say and they do it to personal accounts, they do it to business accounts and they do it without recourse. There's no way to, to, to bounce back and say, Hey, what's going on? Tell me what happened. I'll make sure I don't do it again. But of course it's all done with AI. You can't get through to customer service. There is a business customer service, but basically most of those are circular conversations that end up going back to, well, follow community standards. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do for you. And these bands are permanent. They never come back. It's not like you can be a good boy for a year or it put you in a corner for, for 60 days and then you get your stuff back. No, no, they're gone. It's gone forever. And it's going to get worse. As we go into 2020, um, I would look for uh, a lot of people that just have their account shut down. I'd look for, of course, a lot of bands. If I mean, if it matters to you, be careful what you say. Some of their hot topics seem to be vaccines, COVID, abortions, and anything that's political from a conservative perspective. So if you just stay away from all those and talk about puppy dogs and, and food, you're going to be fine. If you like to get on the edge, if you like to actually talk about meat and potato stuff, if you like to share silly memes that aren't real, they're jokes, then I would prepare to have your account suspended throughout this, uh, this political season. But we need to stand together. We need to support each other. And the way you can support me, for instance is by watching my videos, by going to Rumble and, and sign up. It's free. Follow my channel. Sign up to Rumble. Follow my channel. Help me get those numbers up so I can move further away from the platforms that we know eventually will silence anybody that they don't like. Watch my videos on Rumble. Give them a thumbs up. That's my chosen platform because I know YouTube would do the same thing that Facebook and Twitter are doing. And... Uh, that's how you can support me and, and support others to me, like me, 
too, by the way. Uh, Sean Ferris, great friend of mine. He's uh, He's got a, a show, Ungoverned, on, on LFA TV. But he's on Rumble, too. Great guy. Excellent Trump impression. In fact, he's going to be on here in a week. I'm looking forward to it. Next, uh, I think we're recording next Sunday, and the show's going to drop on Wednesday. And the uh, last one we had was great. I look forward to doing it again with him. It was... Uh, it was a it was a real kick, and we're gonna we're gonna get into some several different topics like we did last time. Anyway, uh, I mean, we don't have to. We know that they're censoring us, right? We know that they have in the past. We know that they're going to again. We know that the government colludes with them to do so. It's been proven. We look at evidence that the White House has been working with social media companies to censor content. It comes in the wake of newly released revelations in the so-called Facebook files. And yes, I use foreign sources when I source information. I don't like to go to just U.S. news or whatever. Uh, this this source happens, you know, they, they translate it, and uh, it, but it happens to be a foreign source. And But they grabbed a Fox News clip. Anyway, here you go. Edward Lawrence of Fox Business joins us now from the White House with that. Good evening, Edward. Good evening, Brett. Yeah, Congressman uh, Jim Jordan lifting the veil on a pressure campaign by this administration. In a series of posts on Twitter, the Judiciary Committee chairman is uh, unveiling internal Facebook emails about COVID misinformation, which he calls a smoking gun. Because the White House was demanding it and they wanted to keep their cozy relationship with the Biden administration, they censored First Amendment speech. That's what this clearly shows. And frankly, we got more documents that we're reviewing that I think are going to show it even more so. Now, we have and have confirmed these emails. In one exchange, Meta's president of global affairs asked why Facebook removes claims COVID was man-made. The response? Because of pressure from the administration. Another exchange, the same person asked for creative thinking on being more responsive to White House concerns so the company can garner goodwill on other issues. Then this one, saying the Surgeon General asked Facebook to take down true information about the side effects of the COVID vaccine, adding Facebook already labels it uh, content like this and demotes some of it. Now, we reached out to the search. So do you see what's happening? Now we have a new COVID variant out. So they're going to start cracking down on people who talk about it, on people who talk that they're rolling out a new vaccine mid-September, just a couple of weeks. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Not. So if you start talking negatively about this new vaccine, about the COVID variant, I would suspect that you would start to see censorship on your on your page or platform. Why wouldn't you? They've done it before. They're going to do it again. They'll do it on Facebook. They'll do it on Twitter. This is nothing new. Check this. In my district, the U.S. subsidiary of a CCP. Of oh, that's the next story. All right. My bad. I thought I had one more clip. I guess I don't. So anyway, uh, the censorship's going to get worse. It's it's not good. It's wrong. It's anti-American. It it it's completely disrespectful of free speech. If these platforms are going to act like publishers, if they're going to behave like the town square, then they need to get rid of of the. They, they actually, what they ought to do is make them utilities and then regulate them. But then you have the government involved, and I don't think I like that either. Then they're even more connected. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, Truth Social is wide open. Rumble for video content is wide open. Those are the options right now, okay? Anywhere else, if you're putting out edgy content or you like to have fun with memes or you get into uh, heated debates with people, make sure uh, or prepare yourself for the fact that you're probably going to get banned. All right, this is an old story. It goes back to June. 
it, it goes back further than that, but the approval happened in June and it's getting closer to uh, groundbreaking. And that is that the Biden regime has approved the Chinese Communist Party, excuse me, a Chinese owned company that has happens to have members of the Chinese Communist Party in there to build a battery plant in Michigan to build batteries for the EVs that nobody wants to buy. So to make matters worse on that, they're going to give them, the, the invested project is like $2.4 billion. They say it's going to create a bunch of jobs. Goshen will receive, that's the company, a grant of $175 million. So our tax dollars are going to get paid to a company with commu, Chinese Communist Party ties to build a plant in Michigan to build batteries for our EVs that the extreme commie Democrats are cramming down our throats. And we're going to give them $170 million of our tax money to do that, along with a 30-year, $540 million tax incentive. Why? You know, I thought Biden said he was going to create, uh, he was going to create American jobs and American companies. What the hell is he doing bringing in a Chinese company with ties to the Chinese Communist Party? Every company in China has ties to the Chinese Communist Party, okay? Do you, you don't think they're going to try to spy on us? You don't think they're going to try to infiltrate with some spies as part of the employee package of that company, as part of the leadership of that company? Of course they are. Now tell me, is Biden compromised? In my district, the U.S. subsidiary of a CCP-affiliated company is planning to build a massive battery component factory. In your view, is it basically a guarantee that some of the people who come from China to work on this project will spy, spy for the CCP? Uh, 100%. So it's a combination, as uh, a fellow witness, Mr. Wolf, said that I think um, we look at the threat is in the Communist Party of China, not the Chinese people. There will be an effort by the Communist Party of China to infiltrate that capability via cyber, human, and hybrid methods, using businessmen, engineers, and what we call the non-traditional collector. They will go over and above to implement their efforts in that particular technology that's in your district. I mean, they could incorporate a, a, you know, a spy facility, a listing facility into this battery plant. So we got one there. They're building the same thing down in Cuba. And, and the Biden regime is just letting them do it. In fact, not only letting them do it, but giving them money to do so. And then he sits there and brags about, we've created more American jobs and infrastructure and build back better. Well, he hasn't used that term in a long time, but he's laser focused. That's their new term. He'll sit there and blow that smoke up your ass all day long. And it's lies. It's all lies. Because the, un the, the unemployment rate's going up. Things are not good right now, people. They're not. Texas judge rules law protecting kids from porn sites is unconstitutional. Uh, really? This is like having, I guess, drag time story hours and, and letting uh, men dressed as women in G-strings uh, dance sexually and provocatively in front of children. Texas law required that. They put an age verification law for porn sites was temporarily blocked by U.S. District Judge David Allen Ezra one day before the rule was to take effect. Judge Ezra granted a preliminary injunction temporarily blocking enforcement of the law after the Free Speech Coalition. Yeah, they don't believe in free speech. All right, this, this is a this is a commie 
coalition. When 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 the Democrats and and their their protectors say free speech, what they mean is control of speech, as long as it's what they want said. Anyway, they joined adult performers and sites like Pornhub in a lawsuit opposing legislation. This is a huge and important victory against the rising tide of censorship online. Isn't that rich? If you don't want minors viewing porn on Pornhub, that's censorship. But suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop in order to change the results of a national election is not censorship. This is this is insane. Allison Border and FSC's executive director said, from the beginning, we have argued that the Texas law and those like it are both dangerous and unconstitutional. So you get the First Amendment there. Kids can go to porn sites without having to prove their age, but you don't get your First Amendment rights on Facebook or Twitter. Okay, got it. Got it. Um, We're pleased that the court agreed with our view that the law's true purpose is not to protect young people, but to prevent Texans from enjoying enjoying First Amendment protection expression by watching pornography. They should put that in there. The state's defense of the law was not based in science or technology, but ideology and politics. So now it's ideological and political to not want children to view hardcore pornographic material when they're online. That's, that's a violation of the First Amendment. That's disgusting. Anyway, there's your Texas update. I guess uh, Pornhub has uh, kids. Kids have the right to free speech to watch hardcore pornography, and adults using social media platforms do not have the right to free speech. Got it. Okay. So you see how this works, right? Here's an update on Maui. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, probably most of you heard about this story, but The Rock and Oprah have teamed up. They've created a foundation to help the citizens of Maui and Lahaina, in particular, from the devastating wildfire that was that just destroyed people are going bankrupt they're, they're going anyway so they put in five million dollars each well it turns out well let's 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 listen to what rock has to say here first come on Dwayne. your plans and all that is being worked on right now but the number one dire need is money is cash in hand in pockets and in bank accounts so I've partnered with Oprah and I've donated $5 million of my own money. She's donating 5 million of hers. And together we have now kicked off a fund starting with $10 million. And the name of the fund is the People's Fund of Maui. The People's Fund of Maui. So to all my Polynesian people, uh, the the people of Lahaina, Maui, if you have been impacted and devastated by these wildfires and thousands and thousands and thousands. It's a long clip. So he gave $5 million. He's proud of it. Here's the catch. He gave 5 million. Oprah gave 5 million. Those were just startup costs for the foundation. None of that is going to the people of Maui is what's being reported. And in fact, a lot of it is going to the president of this organization who will earn over $400,000 each year. The CEO more than 300,000 each year. The CFO, 290 grand every year. There are 29 additional people who earn more than 100,000 every year. 13 executives earn a total of $3.2 million. Lower level workers earn an average of $64,527 $64, per year. So this, this money that, they, that these 
hundred billionaires, close to Oprah's certainly a billionaire. The Rock is approaching that if he's not there already. Five million dollars is, is pocket change. It could fall out of their pocket getting into a cab, and they wouldn't even notice it gone. That was the, just a seed money for this foundation to get it up and running and pay people to come and bring them in. I understand these things aren't free, but then they turn around and they're begging. They go, and Oprah's done the same thing. They have a GoFundMe. They have several different ways that you can donate and it run it through their organization. But this organization has no history. It has no background. We don't know what percentage of your donation is going to actually make it into the relief effort. With salaries like these, probably not much of it. A lot of it will go into overhead and distribution. And, uh, you know, no thank you. No thank you. I will, if I'm going to donate to the people of Maui, I think I will find another method to do so. And and there are other methods out there. This just this just reeks. I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not liking it. It doesn't pass the sniff test. It seems to me when you have billionaires uh, dropping some pocket change in to start up a, a foundation and none of the money is being used for the actual cause, and they turn around and beg everyday Americans to start sending money to the organization. Mm, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're Maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe their hearts are in the right place, but I think that their their pocketbooks are not. You know, we're experiencing a financial hard time in this country. Many people don't have the disposable income. They're cutting back. They're not putting out more. Those that can obviously are donating. I donate to things every year, all the time, and uh, when I can. But there have been times in my life when I could not. And for these billionaires to be asking people in today's economy to give more of their money to them. Hmm. What else is going on on Maui? Well, uh, Nick Sorter, by the way, if you don't follow him, it's a good follow. He, 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 he gets some good information, gets some good stories out there. And this is his report from Maui. He says, good morning again from Maui, where residents are being royally screwed by local, state, and federal governments. There are countless important issues to note, but here are just a handful. And he goes through a list. One, the town of Lahaina is being increasingly fortified and there are police and military checkpoints at literally every corner. Two, residents are starting to become literally impoverished due to the shutdowns. Three, the government has put tens of thousands of people out of work and countless people are about to be forced into bankruptcy. Four, federal aid is almost impossible to get. Of course it is. It's the federal government. Anytime you deal with the bureaucracy like that, things are going to be hard. Five, the government still won't disclose the amount of children missing or dead. Six, the official number of people missing keeps changing and seems to be based on total lies, he says. Seven, res- he's in Maui. Seven, residents are literally being arrested for attempting to visit their own homes. Mark my words, we will get to the bottom of all of this. I'm putting together a team of local residents and journalists to make this happen. What is the government hiding? Why do they keep lying to the great people? Of Maui. And notice how it's kind of dropped out of the, the legacy media news cycle. It's, it's things haven't gotten better. In fact, things have gotten worse for many of them. And you don't hear about it. The next shiny object is out there and, and the media is moving on to that. And the poor people of Lahaina and Maui at large are are left behind. Just like the people in East Palestine. And it's, uh, it's sad. And I, and I hope that something is done. I hope that we can, you know, maybe, maybe we just take, maybe we could take just, I don't know, a few billion dollars. 
of the money we're sending to Ukraine and send it to to Maui instead. Just just an idea. Call me crazy. Uh, it's like what's going on down at the border. I mean, you have people coming in that are unchecked. We talked about it last week. You know, they're not. I'm sure a lot of people are coming here for more opportunities, but some of them are coming here for more victims. And they're coming here and they're they're committing crimes. And, and that's been proven too. So uh, that, was, that was kind of a sidetrack. I don't know why I went there. My mind just, that just popped into my head. But man, if you can donate and support to the people of Maui, that's great. I applaud you. Find another way to do it. Besides, uh, I just wouldn't go through, through, uh, through that organization that, that The Rock and Oprah set up. So um, this is... With Americans marking their Labor Day holiday today, about one Labor Day. major Let's labor dispute still seems far from resolution. The Hollywood writers' strike. Now, it's been four months, can you believe it, since America's television and film Who writers cares? walked off the job. <laughs> the dispute comes as consumers increasingly embrace streaming media. Now, as the industry adjusts, it's making obsolete the traditional ways writers have been paid. Yeah. Wow, weird. You know, Hollywood writers go on strike and nobody even notices. And that's their Labor Day story. Biden had this statement to make for Labor Day. I'm going to play Biden. I'm going to play Pelosi. Then we're going to take a look at a flashback of Donald Trump. Uh, he, he has something out too, but it, it came out after I was done downloading the receipts and assets for today. So uh, I'll put that out separately in a post on my socials, which you can check it out. But here's what Biden had to say. On Labor Day, we honor the dignity of the American worker. And every day we remember that America wasn't built by Wall Street. It was built by the middle class. And unions built the middle class. Job's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your self-worth. It's about your sense of who you are. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay and mean it. It's about your dignity. When unions win, workers across the board win. Families win, community wins, America wins, we grow. Okay. And Nancy Pelosi with her helmet of hair. Happy Labor Day, everyone. I'm honored to be shoulder to shoulder with organized labor in the fight for shared prosperity and the protection of human dignity in work and in life, grounded and strengthened by our mutual commitment to economic and social justice. Democrats deliver jobs in solidarity with unions fighting for dignity at work because we know a strong middle class has a union label on it. And we know that the middle class is the backbone of our democracy. Okay, a couple things on this. Yes, Labor Day was originally put into motion by the labor, organized labor in, uh, they call it something different Canada, but they have the same day. And then in the United States, Labor Day, it came down here. Now, let me say something. Uh, what really irritates me about what both of them said is that they directed everything about Labor Day and their well wishes and their thankfulness and their rhetoric toward union workers. Union workers, while the, while the, the holiday was founded by organized labor entities, and there was a time in our history when those were definitely necessary because there was, even though there was a lot of mob ties back then, right? Probably still is. But the, uh, they were necessary because workers were getting taken advantage of. They weren't getting, they weren't getting paid 
fairly. There was uh, there were no benefits. There were job site safety was non-existent. You know, a, a lot of reasons why unions were necessary when they were created, and they did a lot of good for the American worker. That time has passed. That time has passed. Everything that the unions fought for and achieved through organization is now taken care of through federal regulation, laws as w- at the federal as well as at the state and local levels. We have wage laws. We have safety laws. We have we have WISHA. We have OSHA in Washington, the state of OSHA. We have the National Organization OSHA. We have uh, labor and industry organizations of one form or another in every state that are taking care of employees. We have all these bureaucracy, we have a a massive bureaucracy is built right now around taking care of American workers, whether they're in a union or not. And the way the free market and capitalism is working, everybody is making some pretty good money right now. That some of these union wages are insane. I own a construction company as well. Sometimes we, we uh, have, have owned a construction company. The wages are crazy for the work that's being done. And, uh, but here's the, here's the reality of it. Just, just to kind of put things in perspective of all Americans, working Americans, as of last year, 10.1% of them were unionized. And of those, okay. All right. 37% of government employees are unionized. That means about of that 10.1%, if you do the math out, about half of all union workers in this country work for the federal government or have government jobs, state or federal. So that means there's only 5% of public sector employees, or I guess you call it private sector, only 5% are unionized. People, they're catering to like they do with everything, whether it's LGBTQI plus plus plus, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, it's always the extreme minority that is getting all the attention. The unions are an extreme minority. They count, if you exclude government employees, they account for just 5% of the American workforce. The other 95% are non-union and doing just fine. In fact, in many cases, better. But the federal government would have you believe that the only people who matter are those that are unionized, that this day is only for them. I call bullshit. This day is for every single American worker that's out there providing for themselves and their family. Who's out there struggling day to day to put gas in the car and pay their mortgage. The inflation right now is, 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 is devastating to families, especially the poor and the working and middle class. The rich don't care. Inflation can do whatever it wants. It's not going to bug them. But I tell you right now, it's hurting the poor, the working, and the middle class. And it's hitting them hard. And so I commend every one of you out there that goes to your job every single day, whether you're in a union or not. And thank you. And 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 commend you for taking care of your family, taking care of your responsibilities, providing and and contributing to the American economy and the American dream. Because by working, that's what you're doing. You're being a productive member of society. Thanks. Donald Trump had this to say, and this was back in 2016. 
it's still true. Craftsmen and tradespeople and factory workers have seen the jobs they love shipped thousands and thousands of miles away. Many Pennsylvania towns, once thriving and humming, are now in a state of total disrepair. This wave of globalization has wiped out totally, totally, our middle class. It doesn't have to be this way. We can turn it around, and we can turn it around fast. That was in 2016. And he can turn it around again. So could Vivek Ramaswamy. The, the jobs are not getting better. They're worse. Biden was, uh, was saying this. It's a reality for every family in this country. And we are making it a reality. Does something happen to the audio on this? I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Um, that was my bad. I, I, I should have I double-checked that once I had it uploaded. But um, at any rate, he goes on to say that he's created more jobs than any other president in history. You know, the same old BS he says every time by letting people go back to work after they made them stay home, paid them to stay home because of the pandemic. He created those jobs. He didn't create those jobs. Those jobs were always there. People just went back to them. That's not job creation. Anyway, uh, in fact, the real shocker, so Friday's, this was interesting, Friday's job report came out, unemployment ticked up. They didn't expect that. And real wages held steady when you account for inflation, just slightly above breaking even overall since Biden took office. Real wages are down 3%. Households have lost $5,000 in income. The real shocker in Friday's job report, 1.2 million native-born workers lost their jobs last month and were replaced with 668,000 foreign-born workers. Hmm. I thought, I thought that Biden was building jobs for Americans. Hmm. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on here and talk about Vivek Ramaswamy a little bit. Now, I've, I've been getting some grief from people, mostly from conservatives, only Trumpers, uh, they, they, and they're the ones spreading the misinformation. A lot of the misinformation about Vivek is coming from the DeSanctis campaign. They have paid influencers that are putting out false information and hit pieces primarily on Vivek because right now that's their biggest competitor. Trump is so far out of reach, they're really not paying attention to him, but they're going after Vivek big time and it's all BS, they're lies. They have huge social media platforms, hundreds of thousands, millions of followers, some of them, that are going after Vivek and they're being paid to do so now by, by the super PACs, by DeSantis super PAC. And uh, so I would encourage everybody just to listen to him yourself. Just make up your own mind, man. Forget what the media says. Forget what the DeSantis campaign says. And just listen to him. As I started out the show, you, we need to understand that the America First movement is not Donald Trump. Yes, he is the figurehead of it right now. Yes, he was the catalyst for it in 2016. But the America First movement is bigger, even bigger than Donald J. Trump. The America First movement is about us, about we, the people. And so I encourage you, I, I implore you, to please, please, please listen to the other information that's out there. We don't want another political insider. Donald J. Trump is not going to be around forever. I plan on voting for him. I think he's going to be the nominee. Whether he becomes president or not remains to be seen. A lot can happen between now and November of next year. 
a lot. More this time than probably at any time in history. It's going to be a freaky election cycle, so hold on tight. But if, if you won't even open your mind to the future of the America First movement, because if all, if all your eggs are in one basket, Donald J. Trump, then what? Then what? Another establishment politician in 28, is that what we want? Ron DeSantis, who's proven that he's nothing but a, a big money puppet in his national campaign? I don't think so, Tim. And, and I think that we need to, to come to that reality as a group and get behind the people that support the America First Movement. You know, Vivek Ramaswamy says every single thing and believes every single thing that Donald Trump does and more. So no one's perfect. You can pull out all these little things. Oh, he, he didn't agree with how Donald J. Trump handled, uh, hand, handled uh, January 6th. You know what? Neither do I. Hate me for it. What has happened since is an entirely horrible injustice. Anyway, you know where I stand. Man, we got to stand together, not, not divided. And we got to stand for America first, not just Donald J. Trump. I believe that Vivek Ramaswamy is part of that movement. I believe that he is a strong business person that can represent the America first movement in the future and going forward. And then we'll see who comes after him. Or maybe somebody else comes alongside of him. But don't just don't just discount him. All right? A lot of people have asked me, what is well, what does he think on gun control? He was on uh, with Jack Basobic and uh, on human events, and this is what he had to say about the Second Amendment in general. Check it out. The latest that we've heard, and this is coming on the backs of the uh, pistol braces and other bans, bump stock ban. Uh, now we're being told that the Biden administration is looking at an ATF rule rather than legislation to go after what they claim is the gun show loophole. What is your stance on that? I'm against all of these infringements around the edges because I'm a Second Amendment absolutist. You can check out my speech at the NRA where I went through the history and part of the point is when the government is armed, the people need to be able to arm themselves at least to a commensurate capacity, right? Now it's not muskets anymore that the government still has. And so I think that the reason we have a second amendment, we gotta remember is it's not just to go to the shooting range. It's not just to go hunting or sport shooting or clay shooting. No, it's because it's the amendment that puts the teeth into all of the other ones. Iran, China, they offer the same freedoms that we do in our bill of rights. The one thing they don't have is a second amendment. And so I think we have to remember that in the present moment. Do I want gun violence in this country? No, I don't. But the reason for that is we have a mental health epidemic. And so Jack, I think the conversation we need to have, the harder politically incorrect conversation is, instead of mo removing guns from law-abiding citizens or restraining law-abiding citizens from being able to use their guns in lawful ways, we should be focused on removing psychiatrically ill, dangerous people from their communities. Have a conversation about involuntary commitment again in this country, not just loading people up with pharmaceuticals, but even faith-based approaches and other approaches that we can actually bring back psychiatric institutions, non-pharmaceutical psychiatric care that addresses the mental health epidemic in this country, that removes violent, psychiatrically ill people from the cities and streets I think that that's a long overdue conversation because it's the same period that we saw the shuttering of that type of mental health institution that we've seen the recent spike in violent crime. 
That's the right way to address violent crime, not to do this virtue signaling nonsense that you even see from Republicans. Like in Tennessee, the guy won't release the Nashville Transgender Shooter Manifesto, but has the gall to call a special session to restrain the rights of law-abiding citizens using their own guns. That's wrong. I don't care if it's the Republicans or Democrats. Frankly, it exists in both parties. And that's so there you go. There's his stand on the Second Amendment. The, if you study him, he hasn't flip-flopped on anything. I've, I've dug through his entire life. From high school on, I've done a pretty deep dive. I think I know what I'm talking about and where I'm coming from. And you know what? Bringing in, if you, getting new information and changing your mind is not flip-flopping. If you, if you cannot, if you're not incapable of intaking new information, and not having it impact how you think or believe, man, you're the problem. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly, here's what he had to say about J6 protesters uh, that and, and what's going on there. Check it out. We saw yesterday a, a Gen Sixer, a nonviolent Gen Sixer, who was sentenced to 17 years in federal jail, federal prison, uh, for what they claim is a seditious conspiracy. Uh, they're talking about other ones, uh, looking at 33 years, 30 plus years. A, a grandmother was given a 15 month sentence. Uh, what is your stance on pardoning those? And I'm not going to do the gotcha thing of asking you about individual cases, but uh, would those be pardons? That you're open to so i'll be very clear about this Nonviolent january 6 defendants will absolutely get a pardon and they will get a pardon not on the last day of my presidency that's what presidents usually do for pardons they don't want to take the heat no i will take the heat day one january 20th 2025 they get that pardon and also any protester who had due process rights denied, like Brady rule violations or any other constitutional violations, video footage or whatnot that they didn't have access to. That's just a due process point, regardless of whether you're on the left or the right. You're entitled to due process in this country. And that's part of a broader list of pardons that I've committed to on day one, Jack. And that's the kind of president I want to be. I don't want to do this in the 11th hour as I'm leaving office. No, I want to have the spine to face accountability for my actions and these are actions that i will stand by on day one so there you have it all nonviolent violent j6ers he's also pardon day one he's also said he would pardon donald j trump should he be convicted of a crime he's also said that the rest of the j6 people if they if they were violent because there was some that, that assaulted officers or whatnot it, it, let's be honest okay that those would be also be reviewed. Some of them could be pardoned on a case-by-case -case basis. It sounds like a very re reasonable approach to me, okay? He's the only other candidate besides Donald Trump who has said he would pardon any of them at all. So that's got to that's gotta have some sort of, some sort of uh, weight, right? How does he feel about uh, the right to try and the pharmaceutical industry in general, since he has some history in that area. In the last segment there, don't worry, folks. He's he's still here. He's got it, and we're going to give him a chance to finish it. So, Vic, we were asking, and you were basically finishing up a question regarding the right to try. Explain that, yes. by the way, for people who don't understand what right to try is, and then we'll give you a chance to finish your statement. Right. So I understand this deeply because I've developed drugs that had to go through the FDA process that is far more cumbersome than it should be. We should have been able to develop those drugs more quickly. It helps big pharma when the regulations increase the burden because that allows them to insulate themselves from competition. So here's my point. 
if you're suffering from a disease, I think you should have the right to try a medicine, even if it hasn't made it all the way through the FDA approval process. And many companies might say that, hey, they can make that available too. The FDA hates it and they don't let you do it. Functionally, they stop you from doing that. I think that's wrong. I'm a medical choice absolutist. But the irony is the same FDA that says you can't try a medicine that hasn't been through 10 years of testing is also the same federal government and FDA that shepherds in a vaccine for COVID in less than nine months and says you have no choice but not to take it. Think about that hypocrisy. It makes no sense. And so, Jack, I understand the corruption deeply. It's not just coming from a place of looking at this as an outsider. I understand how it works from within. That's why I've said I'm going to lay off over 75 percent of the staff at the FDA, gut the corruption. And I also think that we need to remove that special shield of liability that manufacturers of vaccines enjoy that stop them from being sued for product liability. That's crony capitalism. I understand this. I'm going to put an end to it. But I do think it helps to have a president who actually gets the details. 75% of the FDA unemployed, laid off. He said that about the entire bureaucracy, that 75% of it's going to go away. He's, he's going to do an Elon Musk, except he's going to do it at the federal level. I love it, personally. I know a lot of you are going to say, oh, well, he's a big pharma guy. You know, he pushed the vaccines and masks, and now he's flip-flopping. No, he's not. He's not. Yes, He promoted the vaccine. Yes, he promoted wearing masks. He also, in the same breath, which everybody seems to ignore, said that nobody should be forced to take a vaccine or wear a mask, that everybody had their choice whether they wanted to or not. Personally, he would recommend it, but he didn't think that it should be mandated to anybody and that personal health care decisions were exactly that personal. So, so take your weak sauce argument about, well, he promoted the vaccine, he, he promoted masks, and therefore I don't like him. Wah, 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 wah. You're part of the problem. Open your mind and look at all the facts. Some of you might not like what I said, but as Jesse Kelly would say, you know I'm right. Jack is lying a little bit. <laughs> all right, I got, uh, I got one more here from uh, Vivek, and then we're going to move on. Uh, I'm going to go a little over today. I didn't think I would, but I guess I am. So this is going to be a bonus episode. Uh, we're going to probably go, I bet we'd go an hour 10, but check this. So if they're giving us race, gender, sexuality, and climate, I think we would do better to talk more about the value of the individual, the family, the nation, and God. I think individual, family, nation, God beats race, gender, sexuality, and climate. And so far in the Republican Party, we have a bunch of partisan hacks that recite slogans. They're handed down in a binder, criticize them. And what do they teach us even for the debate? What are the debate mm-hmm. standard debate wisdom and preparation is you look at the super PAC leak of, you know, the uh, which one was it was the DeSantis camp that had their super PAC leak, their memo, criticize Biden at least three to five times. And that's the traditional advice that all the candidates will get. The way I look at it is, first of all, it's super robotic. But second of all. <laughs> You're missing the point if you're criticizing Biden. He's a puppet. Yeah. Zelensky's a puppet. Biden's a puppet. We have to actually have a vision of our own. And the left is actually good at this. The left will give you a vision. They will. It's the wrong vision, but they'll give you a vision. And the alternative side, the Republican Party, is so pathetic that it has not for years offered an affirmative vision. Now, Trump actually brought a new, at least character to the Republican Party, and that's good. He still he still but, fa- fails a little bit. But we got to say, painting, what, do we, 
What do we actually stand for? What are we running to? And so in a certain sense, yes, I think we need that to actually have an alternative vision that dilutes the other side's poison to irrelevance. And people say, oh, are you just eloquent talking in a a, a nice way? Good. I want to use the gifts I have been given to stand for an actual vision that contributes to this. Since when did be able being able to articulate things and being an eloquent speaker become bad. When in this country, somehow, especially among the conservative ranks out there, when did it become bad for somebody to be able to communicate well? I wish I had the speaking skills that he does. I wish I could talk as eloquently as he does without the ands and the uhs and the buts. I wish I was as knowledgeable and as smart and as articulate as he is. And for, for others to think otherwise, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand it, and I never will. Uh, you know, open your minds, please. He tweeted this. A message to teens. Obsessing over gender identity and systemic racism and climate change isn't an act of standing up to the man. It's just bending the knee to the man. You want to stick it to the system? Try calling yourself a conservative and see what happens. Might be fun. <laughs> It is fun. I, I love being a conservative. I love standing up and sticking it to the man. I love being against big government. I love being a constitutional absolutist, just like the fake is. And as Donald Trump is as well. You know, they don't, they don't get Donald Trump, and, but at least they acknowledge it. And so I'm going to play two last clips here. As we, as we close, and they're from Donna Brazil and George Stephanopoulos. And that'll kind of bring things full circle from how I started the show. Check this. But I have to say something, because, George, I'm old enough to say this. Uh, I've seen two movements outside of the social justice movement. Uh, that's not the one I meant to. That's not the one I meant to play. <laughs> See, I need a producer, man. Hey, anybody know a producer in Western Washington or, or a conservative person who has some skills that would be able to, to learn to run a board and, and, a, and video clips and whatnot? Um, drop me a DM, send them my way. I'm looking, all right? Oh, they also have to work for free for a while. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's that. So anyway, check this. This is, about, uh, this is kind of their take on Donald Trump and what's going on. They don't get it. They still don't get it. They never will, and that's okay. Race, I don't want to ask you the question I asked Tim Kaine uh, towards the end there. It, it is kind of shocking in a way that despite all of the baggage that Donald Trump carries, he's tied with Joe Biden right now. Yeah, I mean, George, when I looked at that recent poll, the Wall Street Journal, I, I said, oh, this could keep me up at night. Look, the problem is, and the biggest challenge we face is, is Democrats. I say we because I'm a Democrat, is that young voters, young black and Latino voters, they're not ready to come back to the party. They're not even looking For good at reason. The, the so-called messaging that's being sent to them about the economy, about climate change, about student debt relief. They are worried about their future. And right now, they're looking for a leader who represents their values and their vision. And I think the, the president's campaign is going to have to really you know, go deep and go hard to motivate those voters to come back within the Democratic Party coalition. Because without them, it is a tight race. And it's going to... Donald Trump has pulled higher with, with blacks, with Latinos, and with young people of all races. He pulled higher in 2020 than he did in 2016. And he's pulling higher now than he was in 2020. There's a reason for that. Because the Democrat 
party, the, the extreme commie Democrats, the only thing they offer is more misery and more of the same, more uh, inner city turmoil, more violence, more race baiting, more of the same. And people are tired of the same. I'm tired of it. And I can't, the people in those communities have got to be tired of it. They've been voting for Democrat for their entire lives and nothing has changed. And a lot of them are looking for change and not the kind that Obama was promising and never delivered on. He brought change, all right. He set race relations back 50 years. Anyway, uh, this is the last clip, and this is what I was talking about. The America First movement is bigger than Donald Trump. Let's embrace that as we move forward. Even they get it. It scares them to death. You know, Donald Trump doesn't scare these people. We scare these people, okay? They're not, they, yes, they're going to try everything they can to knock Donald J. Trump off of this election, and maybe they'll be successful, which is why we need someone, another someone like Vivek Ramaswamy, who can be the figurehead for the America First message, whether it's in 24 or further on down the line. But even the Democrats get it. And that, this is where I always started the show and how, why I implore you to understand this. Here's what they had to say. But I have to say something, because, George, I'm old enough to say this. Uh, I've seen two movements outside of the social justice movements in my life on the political side. One was the Reagan movement. Reagan had a hold on his base, the country at large. They saw him as someone who was willing to stand up for American values, whatever that might have meant. Now, I thought it was reactionary. Uh, the other movement I saw was, was Barack Obama, hope and change. That galvanized the American people. I've never seen anything like this with Donald Trump. I mean, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? I mean, be being convicted, I mean, being indicted. Convicted? That's making him stronger, raising $10 million, using an ugly mug shot uh, to raise money. This is a movement. And anyone who thinks that you can apply the old political rules to trying to defeat this candidate based on he's scary, he's ugly, whatever you might want to call him, this is a movement. And we have to respect the fact that it's a movement. It's a movement. What they're saying is you can't focus on defeating Donald J. Trump. You need to focus on defeating the movement. Get it? Uh, it was funny. She had the Freudian slip. Even someone who's convicted, of course he's going to be convicted of something somewhere. It won't, it won't last the appeals. But I'm sure that initially, uh, particularly in the D.C. cases where you can't get a fair trial, and then she calls him ugly. I mean, that was just a petty, petty thing to throw out there, the ugly mugshot. <laughs> They're just jealous that they can't get a mugshot and make $10 million off of it, right? But at any rate, um, again, let's just uh, just to reiterate, this will probably be the third time I've repeated it in the show. It, uh, I'll be repeating it again in the future, okay? I'm a patriot. I love this country. I love God. The one thing that kind of disappointed me in Vivek's last little clip that I played was he, he said nation, family, and God. I think it's reverse. I think it's God, family, and nation as far as priority goes. But... Uh, I love this country and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened on earth. It provides more opportunity and more freedom than at any time ever on earth outside of, you know, the garden of Eden. Right. And we're far from Eden. That was, that was taken care of by the, by the apple. 
But uh, embrace the fact that you love this country too. And loving this country means loving this country. It means loving our constitution, loving our God-given rights. And understanding that as a patriot, as the movement that we are part of, a movement that even the Democrats realize is, is real. Okay? That we embrace the America First movement regardless of who is the face of it. Right now we have Donald J. Trump. He was the catalyst. He ignited and began a movement that this country desperately was waiting for, a movement that this country desperately needed. And thank God he was there. Thank you, God, for sending Donald Trump. I plan on voting for him. I've said it before. I'm supporting him 100%. But that's not going to stop me from listening to other people who could also represent the America First movement, such as Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't want another swamp creature, another political insider, Republican or Democrat, in charge of this country ever again. I'll take a businessman, successful businessman, over a political insider every single day. So with that, please open your minds. Check out Vivek. Ignore what's being said about him and listen to him yourself. Make up your own mind based on information that's very readily available. It's not hard to find. I talked about it on a previous show. The truth is just under the surface. It's not hard to find. Everybody can do it. I have faith in you. Go ahead. Check it out. The America First movement is bigger than one man. The America First movement is we the people. And we need to make sure that we have good figureheads there past Donald J. Trump. Maybe that's Vivek. Maybe that's someone else. But keep an open mind. That's all I got to say. Happy Labor Day. Thanks a lot. If you've just been listening on the radio or one of the podcast channels, check me out, please, and, and follow it. It's free on rumble.com slash the nun report. I'm right there. I'm on all the socials at the nun report, except TikTok. So I don't do that commie BS. And on Twitter where I'm at the nun report, my website is the nun report.com. And you can also click into everything right there. A lot of all the recent episodes are up there too. If you don't want to go to rumble, uh, I think the website keeps like the five most current episodes are up on there too. So you can watch them there as well. Uh, anyway, Hey, Thanks again for watching, and as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers.